You are listening to the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast following a 4-1 loss on the road to the Nashville Predators. And to make matters worse, it felt like we got kicked in the nuts when Matt Duchesne puts an exclamation mark on it. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller and at Laleem's Martian Pilsy, your initial impression on this one. The smallest guy on the ice had the biggest performance in UC Soros. I mean, he stole this game for the Predators. That save he made on Drake Batherson on that Brady Kachuk 2-0 was so good. Like, he he could have stopped Brady and Batherson. Like, he was covered both ways for the shot and the pass. And, yeah, UC Soros played a hell of a game. And that's why the, the Sens weren't able to fully push through on this one. Yeah, man, definitely. That was uh, that was a hell of a performance by UC Saros. And I thought Forsberg was having a good game there for himself as well. Um, I, I mean, it was a good goaltending showing on both sides, but obviously the Sens just couldn't get the offense going there tonight. Yeah, I mean, they had their chances in the first period, I thought, especially. And even the start of the second, those back-to-back uh, odd man rushes and just couldn't get it done. And felt like once Saros established that he wasn't going to go down easy, even though they gave up the first one, which no fault of his own on that one either, but... It just felt like the ice tilted. And that's what a good, confident goalie gives his team. And the Sens have seen that a bit with uh, with Forsberg earlier in the year. But UC Saros on another level, man. When he was tested there, I thought that he looked good. My, my kind of TSN turning point, and there's a couple. You could say the penalty shot would obviously be an easy one. But how about when Brady Kachuk had a clear-cut breakaway and decided to go with a little drop pass? Did you, uh, did you want him to shoot? Some people like the creativity and trying to make it an easy tap-in for Batherson, but I'm of the mind when you're that close and your your calling card is scoring from in tight, you just have to rip that one. Yeah, probably just going to go ahead and rip that one on, on most nights, but I think he's trying to get Batherson back on the scoring sheet. You know, he, you know, it's only his second game back, didn't get one the first night, so uh, he's probably just looking to get his buddy, buddy Batherson on the, on the scoreboard here early in his uh, coming back. I mean, the guy I would like to see get a little more ice time out there, though, is Matthew Joseph right now. Like, he, he seems like he's going every night uh, since the trade. Um, I'd like to see a few more coaching adjustment adjustments maybe from DJ during the game when you identify a guy who's clearly, you know, he's going, he's, he's giving it all out there. And Matthew Joseph, I feel like, is really doing that. So uh, I would like to see him get a little more ice time, a little more offensive opportunity probably. Yeah, that's a great point, Marsh, and I want to get Pilsy's take on that because I looked this up, shout out Natural Statric, and since Matthew Joseph, and this is before tonight, but I would imagine the same ratio rings true. But obviously, Tierney's the guy he's played the most with. He's played 40 yeah. minutes and 37 seconds with Chris Tierney, only 13 minutes without him, and I'd imagine a lot of that is shorthanded as well. It seems like he's got this idea, and Godette, same thing. He just hasn't made any adjustments to his lines at all. It seems like in, in forever, like they had to slide in Batherson there, but I'd like to see kind of shake it up a little bit, even whether it's in the game or in practice. I feel like we're just kind of running in the same thing over and over again, and it's not really working. And, and Ross, too, the, the the one point Matthew Joseph has is is when he was on the ice with with someone who has actually some offensive instincts, and that was Ennis. Tyler Ennis. Yeah. Right? He made that pass to Ennis, and, you know, automatic, like right away, point production, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, like when you have Tierney out there all the time with him and, and Colin White, I would throw in there as well. Two guys who 
uh, when you're playing a team like Nashville, who's like super physical, you can just delete them from the game entirely because they're totally irrelevant when when the physicality comes into play, puck battles in the corners. They want nothing to do with it. It's it's kind of frustrating to watch. You and then you got Matthew Joseph out there just throwing throwing himself right into the, the thick of everything. So six hits. Yeah, he, he's all over the place. So I really like his effort level is is the big thing, right? I, I'm not getting the the vibes of the effort level uh, from the other two guys I mentioned there. Yeah, no doubt. So the hits in this game were 35 for Nashville, 29 for Ottawa. And coming into this game, Ottawa was, I think, six or seven ahead of Nashville for first in the National Hockey League. And when you look at one of the teams being first in something, well, you could tell that Nashville is an undisciplined team. They lead the NHL in penalty minutes by over 100. They have 105 more penalty minutes than any other team. And yes, you can point to the stat that I tweeted out and we talked about where you get the most five-minute majors. Math guy, it adds up to more overall. But they took five minor penalties in the first period. Ottawa only converted on that five-on-three. Pilsy, do you like the puck movement still despite not getting more, um, more goals at the end of the day? I mean, I thought it was decent puck movement. Uh, I'm so glad they scored in that five on three. Boys, is that the first five on three goal this season for the Sens? I think Gord Miller said that. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've had, I think, seven or eight opportunities. They've had a lot of opportunities. Yeah. So it's nice. They finally were able to bury that. And that was a, a good length five on three, too. And then they get the extra power play on top since they were still on the five on three when they scored. So I thought it was good that they got a lot of offensive touches right to start the game. And that top uh, two lines for the Sens, like they had a lot of ice time at the start of that game because they played the first two shifts, I think. And then you get all that power play time added on there. And it's just lazy kind of stick infraction penalties by the National Predators. And it's the usual suspects drawing these these calls. Like Timmy had a couple. Brady had one on that uh, questionable play by Janot. They're tripping him with his legs. Like there was just good examples of the Sens moving their feet and using their speed to their advantage and Nashville having to resort to these stick infractions to try to tie them up. And one of them even resulted in a penalty shot. So definitely undisciplined team here. And they're lucky they have a goalie like that to mop up their mess. Yeah, two tripping penalties, two hooking penalties, and two delay of game penalties in this one. Sorry, three trips. Three trips, two hooks, and two delay of game penalties in this one for the Nashville Predators. And still, the Ottawa Senators cannot win the game. They outshot Nashville 37-32 to were the shots on goal. And we talked about Brady Kachuk scoring on the power play, his 23rd goal of the season. Tim Stutzla and Josh Norris get assists. It's Tim Stutzla's 40th point of the season inching closer to the road to 50, which would be an awesome milestone for him. But that's all the scoring for Ottawa tonight. It was the Michael McCarron show, both at the end of the first period and end of the second period, those momentum goals that you hear so often on Locked On Senators. I think I know the answer, but Martian, which one of those was more of a backbreaker? Oh, I think it's got to be the the third goal. I, that that one was the one where I mean, it so just neither. Like, well, He's going off the board. Off the board. I like. Yeah, it. the three to one goal to me was the one that was was the one that like really it was like okay, God, like 
I messaged you guys at that point. I'm like, we might as well start the postcast right now because um, this game's over. So I, I, I want to say, yeah, it was it was more of the third goal for me. I felt like they were hanging in there, right? Forsberg was keeping yeah. them in the game up and like it was still two to one, 10 minutes left in the game, tons of time left to get one goal to at least tied up. Um, but that damning record, right? That one twenty-eight and one record now one twenty-nine and one record when they're <laughs> when they're losing uh, going into uh. the third period. Um, I mean, most people who are smart would be saying at that point it was over because uh, I mean, what's Nashville's record when they're winning going into the third? Right? It was, it was twenty-seven zero and one, so now twenty-eight zero and one. Mark. Yeah, so it's basically the complete opposite. So I mean, just just by default, you got to say that you know you got to pretty much realize the. Sens were going to come back, and Nashville wasn't going to end up winning. So, yeah, I thought uh, I thought the, the third goal, though, for me, because Forsberg was really keeping them in there. So I, I thought that they could have still came back at that point, me being overly optimistic as usual. That was tough luck for Forsberg on that second goal. Like, that's something that as a goalie, like, that's kind of your worst nightmare. Like, the puck's ringing along the boards. He's expecting the momentum to carry it. It gets caught on something and then spins backwards on him, and it's literally just sitting inches out of his trapezoid and he knows he can't touch it at that point so you're just a sitting duck there so you have to just leave it and scramble back to the net and McCarron's coming in with so much speed he's not going to miss that and I think that kind of rattled Forsberg and then it's tough to keep your head in the game and you're like oh man that was so stupid but it wasn't my fault but it looks terrible and uh, I'd say he didn't have to to stay there it was pretty obvious the puck wasn't going to get all but that's an all-time weird move by the puck there. Like, the puck not only yeah. hits a piece of the boards, but it's spinning backwards and kind of screws him over. He should have made a decision quicker, but I don't blame him there because that's not something you see every day. Yeah, that was just kind of a weird fluky play. You definitely don't Very see weird. it every... Was it, like, at the... I, it was at the end of the period, yeah. So it was, like, I mean, maybe the ice was slow. It did kind of, like, chip off the boards and then kind of, like, stick and spin in that area. And then he was like, well, it's not going to make it to me. So yeah. He, by then it was it was too late because you know the forwards that were coming were, were moving too fast and Michael Delzato was on the other side waiting for that pass to come from Forsberg and of course Colin White's not going to realize that that's going to happen either as he's on his back check even though he probably could have got on his horse a little bit quicker to get back to the other post but uh, yeah it was just kind of a weird fluke play and they took advantage of it. Uh, the other goal, so we mentioned the one or the first period goal and the third goal as well, but the second one, it's just a play that we've been talking about time after time on, on Locked On Senators, and it's another just bad icing from number 22. Keeps tired legs out there. They've been out for a minute and a half. Instead of just a nice, easy breakout pass, the, the center was curling right in the middle of the zone. Like At the very least, you're clearing out the zone. If he gets closed off and it's a neutral zone battle, whatever. But to miss everybody icing and then they score nine seconds later and i don't blame zaitsev solely on the goal i think that that's a natural switch defensively yeah formanton's got to get back but they shouldn't have even been in that situation in the first place so it's unfortunate and you see tierney struggling we talked about joe staff like there's some guys where i think you're just going to get better by subtraction if if you can move 22 in the summer and obviously without 71 back next year uh let's get to some central standouts what do you say Sure. When do you boys start tonight? Pilsy, go ahead. All right. I, I'm going to go with, uh, although he didn't end up, uh, I'll leave you guys a juicier one because this is this was a play I was really happy about. And although he didn't capitalize on two breakaway chances, Connor Brown just getting himself involved in that situation was pretty incredible because he blocks a shot 
so I don't know where exactly it hit him, maybe in the stomach, but somewhere really vulnerable and like a heavy slap shot on the PK. You can tell he's hurt. He's limping around on the ice there. They can't clear the puck out. And then it's like at least a minute and a half into a shift while he's in pain. And he ends up clearing the puck out of the zone, getting a breakaway. I thought his opportunity, his first opportunity on the breakaway was much closer than the penalty shot. But then even when they're getting ready for the penalty shot, he's like heaving and huffing and puffing. Like he is so exhausted and you know, it didn't look great live, but on the replay, you can tell he almost had Saros beat with that quick blocker side shot. So I think you got to give him stick taps there for a really good effort. And he, uh, yeah, I thought Connor Brown just on that play alone, he was a guy that uh, I wanted to shout out. I like that. And, I yeah, too. yeah. Love, love that. He is, he's showing more and more. He's the he's one of the heartbeat, one of the heartbeats cool. of this team. Yeah. How, yeah. How lucky do you think that was them being nice to a veteran? The refs waited quite a while before yeah. they started the penalty shot, almost being like, hey, catch your breath, buddy. We'll give you a second. I'm not even so convinced that that should have even been a penalty shot. Like, I've, I feel you like I've had seen, a half step. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen way more egregious, like, hauls and takedowns on breakaways that, that don't get called for that. Like last game, Timmy, <laughs> in overtime? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. All right, Martian, yeah. go ahead, buddy. I left you the good one here, Martian. Yeah, there's a actually there's a couple there's a couple that I've got my eye on, but I, I'm gonna go with uh, with the captain Brady nice Chuck. I, I think he got off to a really strong. He got the team off to a really strong start. Obviously, scoring that first goal, um, nice setup there, and you know he was just all over the ice tonight. I felt like he was he was in the mix in the corners. He's trying to do his thing, trying to you know get the guys energized by providing physicality. He had six hits. Um, four, four shots on goal and he played, uh, you know, over 21 minutes of ice time. And obviously that's going to be up there because it was, you know, six minutes and 40 seconds or something. He played on the power play tonight as well, mixing it up in front of the net. Uh, I thought, I thought I really wanted to see him and, uh, Tanner Janogo go at it, but it actually ended up being, uh, Jeremy Lozon that mm-hmm. he was really battling with, uh, in front of the net, especially at the end there, uh, when the Sens had the extra attacker going. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe some of that was because Lozon was giving Colin White a ride all night. <laughs> you know, he was he was throwing him around pretty good, I felt like, too. So good physical battle. It's nice to see Kachuk not really like, I mean, I don't expect him ever to back down from ever, anyone. But, um, you know, Nashville's a big team on the back end, too. And they got a lot of veteran guys who are like well-respected guys in the league. And, and Kachuk get, gets right in their face. And I love to see that. So I forget who he did, who he smoked, but he knocked uh, one one predator right onto his ass in the far corner, which was a great play. Just ran right through him. I don't know if that was Lausanne or someone else. The broadcast did a great job of showing uh, that Lausanne Kachuk battle in front of the net in the third period, and uh, I think he took Tanner Juno's number. So Martian, you might get to see that in the future. After that was a pretty egregious knee, as far as I'm concerned. I thought that that was uh, st- definitely unnecessary and. Just kind of speaks to that lack of discipline that the Predators uh, have shown time and time again. But they got great goaltending. They got timely goal scoring from their fourth line, who contributed for two of the goals tonight. Michael McCarron, like talk about a throwback name, former Montreal Canadian kind of tweener. I believe he was a first-round pick from them. And Yeah, he, get, he was. He, he, yep. Yeah, he gets a pair of goals there. Tanner Janot gets a third. And then, I mean, sends abroad. Matt Duchesne, you kind of give it to him on karma. Because he missed maybe the most wide open net I've ever seen in my life in the first period. Hits the post. Like, you you wouldn't miss that if you tried 100 times, Pilsy. 
yeah, I don't I don't know what happened there. Uh, <laughs> he was just not ready for that quick availability because <laughs> it bounced off a stick, escaped yeah. so quickly. But he was behind Forsberg and wide open cage and just can't get it there. But yeah, he does get redemption. Before I give my uh, oh, before I give my Sen Central standout, I'm going to give some stick taps to Austin Watson getting the video tribute in his return to Nashville, where he spent the first ten years of his NHL career. He again another first round pick uh, back in his draft year in 2010. Um, had a couple good playoff runs with Nashville. I was listening to Locked On Predators actually, and they thought there was going to be more of a mixed reaction, but it seemed like he was well received, and that's good to see. Obviously, uh, his story is pretty public and um and credit to him for doing that but my sense central standout and i feel like it's going to be for a lot of games down the stretch is just drake batherson nice, for the way yeah. he changes the d- dynamic of this entire offense he makes defenders come towards him and it opens up space for other guys and he just never makes the wrong play we always go back to it but pilsey he was their first ever interview on making sense of the sends and when he told us, he hadn't even gotten traded from Cape Breton when he really took off after the World Juniors. I think it was right after World Juniors when he had that performance. He came on the show and he said on the scouting combine, they say, what player do you model your game after? And he said, Mark Stone. And I'm seeing it more and more every single time he's on the ice. He's so good defensively, sneaks up behind guys and lifts their stick. If you're not at the game, you don't realize that he's enormous out there. Like He's not like a 6'1", kind of playmaker on the wing he's big and as he gets stronger still only 23 24 he's just going to get more mature and that contract already being a steal is is absolutely ridiculous because by the end of it might be like his other maritime or nate mckinnon where people are saying it's the best contract in the national hockey league how did they get him for that price and man just a fun fun player and what he does on the power play too and this is a little more in depth but it can continue a conversation uh into the power play is he's back on on the left side where he can facilitate, but it also moves Timmy down kind of below where Norris is, and they they can kind of have this little exchange going, and they're both left shots. So I feel like it opens up a little bit more having an extra right shot because without him, like Branstrom or Shabbat, both lefties, Norris, Kachuk, both lefties, Stutzla, lefty. So to get that righty look, especially a guy who can facilitate like like uh, Batherson, it helps the puck movement so much with the extra man. Yeah, no, definitely. He he adds a ton to the whole whole lineup, right? Yeah, you you absolutely nailed it. I like that pick as a standout too. Even though he wasn't, you know, on the score sheet as much, uh, he was he was still definitely a noticeable, um, you know, offensive threat for sure. It's, yeah, and it's funny. I thought when you first started there, Ross, I thought for sure you were going to say uh, he's going to be a guy that we're going to name a lot down the stretch, and I thought you were going to say Anton Forsberg because yeah. I feel like we've been saying his name a lot. I almost feel like we should just stick a pin in Forsberg and just make him a, a standout every night because, I mean, he, he's always going to take one of the three slots that uh, that we go with here, I feel like. Honorable mention to him tonight as well. I think he actually had a pretty good game too. I got another honorable mention unless one of you guys wants to take the words right out of my mouth. No, you go for it, Ross. Yeah, well, Travis, Travis Hammond. Yeah, I, I okay. knew it was going to be nice. one of those two guys. Hammondick and, and Delzato again looked Man. awesome. Hamannick just fires everything on net, hey? He doesn't care. I mean, he missed wide three times in a row at the start, but <laughs> he wasn't turned off. He kept going in the second and third. And when you have guys who crash the net, and it is a part of DJ Smith's style, it was just yeah. pucks on net and swarm. And when you have Brady and that kind of uh, playing tight, why not? And I, I love it. I hope he keeps that up. That was something that uh, really stood out for me in this game. Not like 
the numbers jump off the page, but four hits, two block shots, and two shots. Um, probably six attempts, two on goal. Um, that's good. And they're still easing him in. Like he played 15-04, the least of uh, of any defenseman in this game. But again, I feel like if they're up two or three goals instead of down, that's where he probably plays more. Branny plays less, and so on and so forth. But I thought it was worth a, a little mention there because Hamonic has certainly quietly come in and, and played a role and done it well. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I, lo- I like his style too. He plays a really heavy game. What did you guys think of Brandstrom tonight? Just curious. I thought he did a good job of getting pucks on net. Um, he had that one chance where Colin White gave him a drop pass and all the defenders followed White to the corner and it was like the seas just opened up for him. Yeah. But then he shot it to Saros's glove side, which he was cheating heavy glove side. And even I think if Saros doesn't catch that puck, it misses the net where I was like, Sure, it's a great shot, but you completely missed uh, the assignment because the blocker side part of the net, there's a lot more empty real estate. So I wish he would have had a couple different looks, but he is doing a lot better job of at least shooting the puck and getting it through lanes to the net because that's something that um, DJ Smith has really emphasized is they're not going to win games if their defensemen are taking taking more shots and you mentioned Hamannick he's a guy that's shooting more Zaitsev even now how often does he hit the net that's a different story but the defensemen are doing their part to get the puck to the net and maybe Brandy didn't love some of his defensive plays but he is improving on getting pucks on net I just at the end of the day you can accept that he's good at breaking the puck out of the zone I think that's probably his best attribute when he's not getting smoked he got hammered tonight Uh, in the second or third period, but he battles through that. But at some point when you have an offensive defenseman, I feel like this is the trap that Mete fell in. Like, yeah, moving the puck's one thing, but if you're an offensive defenseman, you you should probably have more than just seven assists in 36 games and no goals at all. Like he was walking down main street tonight. Like a lot of guys, I think it's kind of automatic from, from that close with that momentum, carrying him in from the point. And it's just kind of like, he leaves you wanting more at the end after yeah. after every time that you see him. And yeah, somebody put in here, and I mean, yeah, he's kind of low low key slow. <laughs> like he's not not yeah, really he's fast. Not most, he's not as good of a skater as you want him to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I just wonder, like, do the do the pros outweigh the cons? I I just I can't. I think he, yeah. I think if I he's on just... your third pair, but I think that the ship sailed of him being a top four defenseman. Oh, good good news! It's a verbal no meme throwing out the old toy and the new ones here. Yeah, yeah. right yeah. when Sanderson gets here. We're th- sorry, but I Brandon. mean, Brandstrom's still young too, right? Like, and for it's a young fun. small defense de- defenseman, <laughs> <laughs> Brandstrom defenseman, um, for a small D man uh, that's young, like it's gonna take time, and he's getting the reps in. Like, if you look at his uh, like season game logs, he he just for the first time played more than forty games in the NHL, so he hasn't had that consistent time. I think. Hopefully next year, if like everything in the world doesn't happen against him, kind of like it has the last couple uh, training camps and starts of seasons, if he can hit the ground running, I think we could see something different here. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It definitely the the allure of what we saw in Belleville and his ability to get the puck into the the offensive zone and quarterback power play. Haven't seen it as much at the NHL level. No. But how much, you, yeah, I, I don't know what you do with Eric Brancher, man. Because yeah, there's tough. there's glimpses when you're just like, all right. Oh, nice, Kevin. Great stack, Kevin. It was, tonight was Branny's 100th NHL game. Yeah. Huh. Good so, luck, Kevin. 
there's a lot of runway left for the kid, but yeah, it, it hasn't been like skyrocketing upwards. Like we kind of hoped it would with him getting Shabbat's opportunities here. Hundred games. Uh, what Does are we he go no here? bucket in the warmups? That's all I really care about. He should, man. He's, He's got a that hair guy. Great, so great right hair. Yeah, yeah, he does have good hair. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, great let's... bright blonde hair just looks good. Hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I how love we, that. How would you know? <laughs> Ricky Martian. All right, that was a long and and honestly exhausting day. Again, uh, condolences to to Eugene Melnick's family. It was a whirlwind of emotions there. I think we handled it pretty well uh, in today's Locked On Senators. And then. You got to get back to hockey. I feel like that's what uh, Mr. Melnick would have liked uh, for us to do. And that's what we did here. I thought it was an entertaining start. Not often to get five power plays in the first period alone. One five on three mixed in there as well. Martian, what are your final thoughts uh, from tonight's game? Uh, they just, I mean, you kind of said it earlier when you were talking about Brandstrom, but they just kind of left me wanting more, you know. I think they could have they could have easily came out with a win here if, if a couple of those chances could have gone in, like that Connor uh, Brown break uh, penalty shot. But, um, you know, that's just the way she goes. Sometimes this, this is the way the season's going. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not... I'm not expecting much, boys. So, um, you know, when they when they when they lose a game like that, I was entertained uh, for you know two and a half periods. So uh, that's that's just, I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm in it for now. Just give me the entertainment factor. Let me see these young kids grow. Um, I'd like to see you know that tough physicality come out a little bit more. Maybe maybe drop the gloves a couple times. Just show you're pissed off. Um, you yeah. know. And I'd like to see a little more Matthew Joseph. That's uh, that's all I want. Okay? That's all yeah. I want for Christmas. Yeah, my, my levy unlock of the night, as there was not a scrap tonight. I could have sworn that there would have been. And the over didn't hit. Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Over two. Sick. Hey, did you like the new segment today, Mark? Sick analysis, boys. I don't think I made it. That, I, I was listening today, but I didn't make it all the way to the end of the episode. So if it was towards the end, I missed it. Oh, yeah, I was right at the end. Uh, Pil- Pilsy's Patterns. He's gonna look at. Oh, trend. I heard that. I did hear that. No, I made it. I did make it to the end. I'm a liar. He's gonna, yeah, he's gonna talk about trends and actions. Cause hey, you kind of <laughs> gave up on. I thought you were gonna be the face-off guy. I didn't hear a single face-off stat tonight. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, there, you're slacking. Not great on the face-offs. I always have the face-off <laughs> summary open, but uh, other than the guys that like hopped in quickly for uh, for like wingers being kicked out, not great. Although Colin White, you know what? I'll give him a shout out. Well, Chris Tierney too. Both of them above sixty percent. So the bottom six guys, great job. Nice stick taps there. Um, I had one other question for you, but I can't remember. So I think I'll save it for tomorrow's Locked On Senators. Uh, we got a full recap of this game. Uh, Belleville's gearing up for a big weekend coming up as well. So we'll check in on them. Uh, and hey, what we you, didn't mention Tyler Boucher. Oh yeah, shootout, Tyler shootout Boucher shootout winner. Too. Yeah, you. Ha- I had to leave that for Martian though. Take us through it. Yeah, well, I, I caught the first period of the game before the Sens game started. So got off to a pretty good start. Had a few good chances there. Always a few big hits. And then I guess I mean the game went to overtime. I heard he had a few good chances in overtime as well. Had a couple uh, so- strong shifts there as well. Where he was the main you know punk puck carrier for the 67s uh, in the three on three overtime. And then he shot second uh, in the. It wasn't actually a shootout winner. Apparently, it was just you know uh, Ottawa went two for two. Yeah, Ottawa went two for two. He was the second shooter, and then uh, geez, who were they playing? Barry. Uh, the Colts went over two. So he did. I mean, technically, he put it away, but 
um, by scoring that last goal. But he, yeah, I love, I love the move that he he used on that on that shot. Yeah. You know, he came in, he started off coming in really slow, and then as soon as he got to kind of the hash marks, he really picked up his, or maybe he was like top of the circle. He picked up the speed, threw off the goalies. You know, when he wants the time, the backing up, and totally threw him off, and then he just ripped one uh, low, and it was a great shot. So nice to see him finish there. I really feel like he gets just kind of unlucky. I think a lot of games where he, he gets a lot of chances or he creates a lot of offense, and the puck just doesn't end up going in the net every single time. But I mean, I, I honestly think it's a matter of time for him, and I think the fans are definitely going to come around to him once he starts producing. Yeah, great to see that tonight and last weekend at a three-point night as well. So step-by-step, inch-by-inch for Tyler Boucher and his development. Pilsy, I remember my last question now. Because Stutzel had an assist, he's at 40 points. There's 16 games left. Where are we on the pendulum right now? Do we think he gets there? Where, give me a, a Pilsy's percentage. Pilsy's percentage? Okay. Pilsy's pattern percentage, preaching patience. For parlays. <laughs> Parlay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's a little bit too much of a mouthful. There, we'll go with Pilsy's percentage on this one. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I, I'm warming up to it, honestly. Like I, I'll say, 72 percent chance that he okay. hits 50 now. Yeah. All right, I, I like that percentage, uh, Marsh. What's what's your percentage right now? Well, I've always I always think he's gonna do it. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going 100. with 99 percent. All right. like 99, that. okay. Yeah. That's smart. You got to cover your ass sometimes. Well, in his pace right now, one. he's got 12 point, sorry, 13 points in his last 13 games after tonight. Yeah. So, That's beautiful. That's on a good pace, pace. On pace season. On pace to season. have consistent 50-point seasons like a certain yeah. someone he was compared to. Oh. <laughs> Don't say it. Step in, magic. <laughs> Jeez, that's still the the funniest plot of this show. When the Senators, it is, it is great. after that whole debacle, then they go out and get him, and then he sucks. Like, it was his first was line deep. mate, too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Sucked, yeah. Timmy starts with Stepdaddy, I think, was the name of our yeah. episode. Oh, man. <laughs> that old takes exposed, that Whew. one, for sure. Uh, appreciate everyone jumping in the chat. Obviously, it's been a long day. Thanks for uh, all the support, and we appreciate you subscribing to the Locked On Senders podcast. I feel, boys, we're uh, we're promoters now, too. we got to end off every episode selling these tickets, and we're not making a dime off of them. We just want the vibes and everybody yeah, to enjoy themselves. The vibes. Martian, this is our first time chatting with you since we, uh, since we pulled the trigger. So we're sitting in 319, 320. Are we going to have a good time or what? Yeah, I think it'll be a good time. A little, you know, a uh, little pregame meetup too. Uh, well, hopefully Ooh. we have a decent turnout there. We're still working on the venue situation, but I think that should, uh, we should be able to figure that out. I think this week or next for sure. Yeah, um, We'll give everybody uh, ample heads up uh, on where we're going to be pregame. But uh, for anybody who, who's planning on going that game and hasn't bought their tickets yet, or even anyone who's, who's, you know, they've already bought a ticket and they're not sitting in that section, I think we might just congregate like right in front of, of, of that uh, 319 320 area yeah the um, fan deck's right there too yeah and the, i mean the fan deck's gonna be i mean it's always it's always packed, it's always packed yeah, so it's maybe, a little shoulder shoulder yeah but I, I yes it's gonna be a great time it's gonna be fun to meet uh all you animals and uh i think yeah it'll be a great time for sure we'll we'll get all the different you know chants and stuff going up in the stands too i think that'll be a lot of fun absolutely so if you are looking to buy tickets go to our link tree which you can find on our twitter account at sends central you can also follow the show locked on dot senators on instagram and of course you're already following at Lalim's martian for clips 
shit talking and everything in between. For tonight, we say goodbye after a 4-1 Senators loss in Nashville. They'll be back in action on Friday in Detroit, but we got three shows between now and then. We're going to get a Send Central Citizen and a whole lot more. So thanks for sticking with us today. Really appreciate it. For Brandon Piller and Atla Leams Martian, I'm Ross Levitin, and this has been the Postcast, presented by the Locked On Senators Podcast.